0: This morning we're continuing on in a series called Faith and Reason, and this has to do with our hearts and our heads, and I want to encourage you to have an an honest heart and an open mind, and that's really uh, so, so important in our discovery of truth and of of what is real. It's when we close our minds and when our hearts are, are tainted in some way, we cannot really find truth, and that's why so many in our world today deny that there is any truth, But I would say that if you have an honest heart and you have an open mind, God will draw you, God will lead you. And and, um, uh, we're looking at some very important things that sometimes in our world, in our culture today, um, you know, it's it's an either-or proposition. Let me tell you, there are very few things that are either-or, okay? So many things actually are more of a both-and scenario. And uh, there are some absolutes as far as like Jesus is the one and the one way to heaven okay um but there's so many other things that polarize relationships in our culture and so forth because we get stuck out in these corners and so sometimes feel like uh, that that it's either you feel it or you think it but the thing is that you can have both of those you can have faith and reason and we're exploring uh, some good topics on this let me go ahead and tell you that today we're going to talk about Jesus we're going to talk did he really exist let me just start out with this. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? Is it just because mom said it or grandma said it or where you, where you grew up? You know, there are a lot of things that we've kind of gotten some bad information. How many of you know that sometimes teachers and parents told us things um, only to get us to do what they wanted the, them to do? My mom told me if you swallowed your gum, it would be in your stomach for seven years. <laughs> Mark that on the calendar, you know. And then my grandma, her name was Nola May. Anybody here named Nola May? I didn't think so. My grandma and I loved going over to her house. She baked all the time. So in her in her little kitchen, her her table and her kitchen floor always had flour all over it. And she was always rolling out things. And so um, she make bread and rolls and cinnamon buns and make her own pie crust and make her own noodles. And her house always always smelled. Stuff baking, and she would she would have dough rising. She had this big this big pan, uh, big tub, and it had dough just rising. You could anybody with me in this in this place today? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you were born too late. Okay, (laughs) but it just ah smells so good. And she had like this this towel over it, and I could just smell it. Well, I would go in and I would sneak in and reach under that towel and grab a whole fistful of that dough rising. That's some of the best stuff to eat. Anybody? Come on, anybody? And, and run off and, and eat that. And she'd catch me and chase me away. And she told me this, you're going to get worms. <laughs> I, I still to this day think I have worms. <laughs> Why? Because grandma told me. Grandma told me. And um, there are a lot of things that we believe way beyond that that we really don't have good good reason why we believe these things. And so we're venturing in to realize that we can think about things. Christianity invites you to think. Christianity can take it. The the Bible, God, Jesus can take your questions. And, And so Christianity invites us to explore and to think, but it also invites us to believe. And sometimes people are afraid to believe unless they can figure some things out. And I would, I would say that there is no conflict. There is no disconnect between intellect and faith. And so I want to bring us to that and better equip us for the world and the people around us to be able to know why do we believe what we believe. Let's look in 1 Peter chapter 3. And it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is that, that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So we've got to be ready to give a reason, uh, give an answer for why we believe what we believe. In, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, let's look there real quick. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, with all your mind. The New Testament Greek word for mind right there means this, deep thought. I think we need to do more of this. I think we, we really need to think more. There's so many people just, I want a feeling, I want a goosebump. Um, that doesn't carry you very far. And so it needs to be heart and head. Again, an honest heart and an open mind. Faith and reason can work together and you can have a faith that has been weighed A faith that has been tested and i believe that that faith is is stronger and of much more value so this morning we want to explore jesus and let me just off the bat just say this i believe that jesus is who he says he was i believe that jesus is the eternal son of god he's always existed he was with the father at creation he was slain before the foundations of the world god so loved the world that he sent his son fully God who became fully man. God put on flesh, dwelled among us. He came among us to yell at us. He came, he came among us to save us and to show us what the father was like. He went to a cross and he took on the sins of the whole world, my sins and your sins to pay a debt and a penalty that neither, none of us could pay. If you and I had died for our sins, that's all it would have been is somebody dying. But Jesus was the supreme sacrifice, the only one able to satisfy the debt of sin that, that we had caused. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He, he spent about six weeks on the earth then. And at the end of that, he said, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit has come and, and endued you with power to help you to live this life that I've taught you about. And then he ascended into heaven. And right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's part of why we sing his name. as part of why we lift our hands in this place. as part of the reason why we declare his name with every prayer and every praise. Because his name is the name that is above every name. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then people say, well, does he really exist? So let's explore it. We don't have to just fold our arms and run away and say, well, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. We don't have to just, just run away. Let's, let's face up to a few things. Look at some things. And, and I want to do that here this morning. Um, not all of this research is original with me. I have, I have borrowed and used Ravi Zacharias. Uh, James White, Lane Craig, and some others that just are some brilliant minds along these lines. And um, so I just want to give a little bit of credit where credit is due. The first place that I want to look this morning is what is called historicity. And this has to do with historical authenticity. Is there anything in history that would point to and, and verify for us that Jesus did exist? Actually, there are no scholars that deny that Jesus... The man Jesus, the one we believe from the Bible, there are no scholars that deny that he existed. They they will admit he existed in time, he existed in history. Jesus is one of the most documented figures in all of history and beyond just the Bible. Jesus is so documented. He's actually more documented than Plato, Homer, Julius Caesar, and all of them are Generally accepted as real, true historic figures. And Jesus is actually more documented than them. The only documentation on those guys and others are historic ancient writings. The same is true of Jesus. But beyond the Bible, Jesus is in ancient historic writings, those of Thallus, first century Greek writer, Pliny the Younger, he was the Roman governor in AD 112. Tacitus and Suetonius—they were Roman historians. Flavius Josephus, first-century Jewish Jewish historian, Lucian, a Greek satirist and lecturer. Plus, then we have the Bible, and in the Bible we have the four Gospels. We have four independent eyewitness biographical accounts of the life and times of Jesus Christ. So first of all, we can look back into history. Then we consider his teachings. Just think about his teachings just for a moment. Do unto others, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan. His his teachings still have spiritual and cultural influence still today. His teachings still go on. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, He had received truth and tradition being passed to him that was counted as credible, the way that they would pass on information. He talks the same way about communion. I'm delivering to you what I have received. And so Paul did not know Jesus during Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus later appeared to him. We'll talk about that in in a moment here. But he received these from eyewitnesses. He's passing this on, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse four. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to the present, still alive at that point, but some have fallen asleep. Verse 7. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. And that was on the Damascus Road where, where Jesus appeared to him. And that's where Paul, an incredible intellect at that point, uh, chose to not just have reason, but to have faith at, at that point. So, you have the public ministry of Jesus. Then he was arrested, sentenced by both the Jews and the Romans executed. And then on the third day, and that's when he rose from the dead. But this is the point I want to make to you. All of a sudden his followers are running all around everywhere saying he is risen. We saw him, we touched him, we talked to him and all of the disciples saw him plus hundreds as we just read here. Hundreds also saw him. There was an empty tomb. There was a missing body. Even the Romans would admit that the body was missing. That is the last thing that they wanted to happen was for his body to be missing. They would rather have put his body on display. They killed him to quiet him. And now he's risen just as he said he would. They blamed and said that the disciples stole the body. And the disciples are going around saying he is risen. And here's what happened out of that. A movement started. Today it's called Christianity. By AD 100, let me remind you that Jesus Jesus died around approximately AD 33, and so by AD 100 there were twenty five thousand believers, Christians. By AD 310, there were twenty million Christians, and today, all over this world, today on this Sunday, all over the world, as the as the sun. Rises and sets over all the world. Over 2.3 billion believers all across this world worship him. That's the movement. That movement started and that movement will not end. And it's the largest entity. I read you some, some facts about it last week. It's the largest entity on this planet. And I tell you what, we would just absolutely rule everything that would be if we weren't such a peaceful people, but he's called us to peace trust god trust the breath of god the hand of god the timing of god trust him and please don't be nasty on social media don't feel like you've got to be ragged rough and religious on social media you do no one any service so let's also look at his prophecies these were things that were foretold That Jesus would do things about Jesus. He fulfilled every prophecy concerning him. He did it in detail. Things so detailed such as where he was born. Different things that would be happening. Who would visit. Gifts he would receive. Things about his life. About his betrayal. About his death. About his words on the cross. The calculated odds. And how many of you know I'm really good at math? (laughs) You would be a first time visitor. The calculated odds. Of detailed accuracy of Jesus fulfilling just one prophecy. In the detail that they're given is one in four hundred million. If we he were to accomplish eight prophecies, the calculated odds of that would be one to the uh, one in tenth to the seventeenth power. That's seventeen zeros behind that. And That's just if he fulfilled eight. And guess what? He fulfilled over three hundred prophecies, over 300 prophecies. Only Jesus could do that. Let's look, let's look at his resurrection, his resurrection. We just celebrated this a couple of weeks ago. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ had, has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. So we better look at the resurrection verse 15. And, and we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead, verse 16. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised, verse 17. And if, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Look in verse 19. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, if that's all it is, just some kind of hope, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. We're the most pathetic lot on the planet if this is not real. And and it's not just his teachings, it's not just some kind of hope that we would have, but this is tied up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what about the resurrection? There's a lot of different avenues we could take to point to the fact that the resurrection occurred. After the cross, his followers went into hiding. They were scared, they were defeated, they were discouraged, they were confused. And then on the third day, which is the day of resurrection, something changed. And they instantly went from frightened to courageous. They went from timid to bold. They went from cowering behind locked doors to preaching in the streets. Look at me. Something happened. Something happened. And I don't think they just met for three days and they said, okay, we're going to go out and act different. Break on three. Go, Jesus. You know, I, I I don't think that's what they did. Something happened. A little bit further, let me take it a little bit further. 11 of the 12 disciples died a martyr's death. They died for their faith. And in a martyr's death, you're given opportunity to renounce your faith. They decided not to do that. 11 of the 12 died a martyr's death. The only one that didn't die a martyr's death was John. John was boiled in oil, though. And the whole time he was boiled in oil, sang and preached and then came out unharmed. They exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And there on the Isle of Patmos, he penned the book of Revelation, the last book, book of the Bible. The other 11 died a martyr's death. Here's the thing, they willingly died for their story. They refused to drop their claim that they were eyewitnesses, not just of the life of Jesus, not just of the death of Jesus, but of the resurrected Jesus. That they saw him, that they touched him, that they talked to them. That to him, that he talked to them, that he cooked them breakfast on the beach, that he spent time with them, that he spent almost six weeks with them talking to them per- pertaining to the things of the kingdom of God. They refused to drop that claim. They were told, in essence, deny all this and you can live, or you can, can, you can cling to your pathetic story and die a cruel, cruel death, and none of them would drop their story. Here's, here's the point. People don't die for something they know is not true. Now you don't die for something you know is not true. That's one of the big reasons why I believe in the resurrection. Let me, let me just tell you and go through this real, real quick here. James was beheaded. How many of you know if they've said, deny all of this or we're going to chop your head off? If you were, if you were still carrying a, 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 a lie, how many of you go, oh, time out? Could we talk? James was beheaded. Matthew was slain with a combination battle, axe, and spear. Philip was whipped, thrown into prison, and then crucified. Mark died after being dragged through the streets of Alexandria. Peter was crucified in Rome, upside down. James was thrown from the top of the temple in Jerusalem and then beaten to death with clubs. Bartholomew was beaten and then crucified. Andrew was bound to a cross from which he preached to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through the body with a spear. Jude was shot with arrows and then crucified. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was stoned and then beheaded. Listen, you are not going to die for something that you know to be a lie. And these were the ones, we are eyewitnesses of of a resurrected Jesus. That, to me, speaks so loudly of the reality of a resurrection. And then we deal with an identity claim. Who did Jesus say he was? He was. What did he say about himself? He said he was the son of God. They couldn't handle that. He said he knew Abraham. They said, that's it, he's nuts. Because Abraham had been gone for hundreds of years. That'd be like me saying I knew Abraham Lincoln. And then he said in John eight and in other places, he said that he was, I am. This is the holy, most sacred name for God. The Jews for centuries wouldn't even speak the fullness of the name because they esteemed it as so holy. They wouldn't even spell it out in completion because they they didn't want to taint or in any way uh, besmirch this holy name of God. And Jesus stands and says, that's who I am. I am God. I am the eternal son of God. And here's what you have to do with that. You have to decide what to do with that. And there's four options that I want to put in front of all of us today what do we do with this. The first option would be this, is to declare him to be a lunatic. And let me just go ahead and tell you that my subtitle today is this, Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. And we have to make a decision in our hearts, in our minds, which one Jesus is. We don't have options. We can't just ignore the whole thing. We have to decide. We have to decide who is this Jesus regarding his identity? Lunatic. It means crazy or insane. The folklore on a lunatic having to do with lunar, the moon, that if you laid and a moonbeam struck you as you slept, if it went across, your, uh, went across your face, then eventually you were going to lose your mind. Have any campers here? <laughs> Joking. You can label him a lunatic. Yet, and this is from psychologists, he shows no profile or pattern of mental illness. He displays no classical manifestations of being insane, such as the inability to relate to the real world, such as the ability to maintain personal relationships, such as the ability to use verbal skills. He demonstrated no classical manifestations of insanity psychologist J.T. Fisher says if you were, listen to this, if you were to boil down, boil it all down to one essential and perfect prescription for mental health it would be the Sermon on the Mount what he's saying is if you can live the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus delivered how could the crazy guy deliver to us the perfect prescription for mental health, the Sermon on the Mount I have decided he's not a lunatic second option would be this that he'd be a liar, yet his teaching set the standard for integrity and honesty for the whole world. He was arrested, mocked, beaten, tortured, executed, and at one point offered a full pardon if he would just drop his claims of being the son of God. And I'm going to tell you something, to be arrested, mocked, beaten, tortured, and executed, no con man is going to go through all of that if he knows it's a lie. Con men, people that are liars, do so for their own comfort and convenience. And as soon as there would be any threat on that, you know that a con man would drop the lie. Jesus could not deny who he was and why he came. Therefore, from my heart and from my mind, he cannot be a liar. Another option would be this, that he was just a good teacher. He was just a good moral man, maybe a holy man, maybe even a prophet. But think about that a little bit. I want to read you a quote by C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. It's a classic. C.S. Lewis was a brilliant intellect. C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He was a professor at Cambridge and Oxford. And he began his own search. He began to think. He began to reason. And he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Here's part of his process. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be just a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, Or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. I believe that Jesus is Lord. That he would be Lord. I don't believe that he's a lunatic. I don't believe that he was a liar. I don't believe that he was just a good moral man and a good teacher. I believe that he is Lord. And I invite you, because Christianity invites us both to think and to explore, but also to believe. Let me encourage you, don't set him aside because you can't fill in all the blanks. Because God will always exceed our comprehension, there's much of him that we can discover with our mind, with, a, with an open mind. Much that we can discover. But don't set him aside because I can't answer all the questions. I know and serve God and yet he does things on a weekly basis in my life I could never explain. I could never, I could never understand fully. But this is the thing. This is, this is a God that we can't fully comprehend. But yet he will make himself known to you in your heart and in your mind. There are documented and recent stories happening across the Middle East right now where there are people that are, their whole life have been Muslim. They've never heard the message of Jesus. They've not heard preaching. They've never been into a Christian church. And Jesus has appeared to them in dreams. Jesus is appearing to them in visions. They begin to share with others. This man came, his name was Jesus. And there, there are numerous stories coming along now that Jesus himself has revealed himself to them. And now they're giving their life to Jesus. It's an incredible thing. CNN, National Geographic, and others reporting on such incidents as as this taking place. Listen, explore with your mind. But then there's a place where you come where you have to decide, do I believe or do I not believe? And if the only God that you can believe in, the only God you can trust is a God that you can fully figure out with your mind, that's gonna be a pretty puny God. But he's a God who's great. He's a God who exceeds fully what we can understand, yet He invites you, come, seek. And if you seek, you're going to find. And I believe that as you explore the historic Jesus, you just might meet the Christ of faith. And I said this early on, and I just want to end with this this morning, too. There is a day coming. And let me go ahead and say, that he's, not a, he's not a lunatic, He's not a liar, He's not just a good teacher. He is Lord. There is a day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And it will not be because someone's threatening them, pushing them down. Say it, say it, say it. It will be because they see him. They'll see a resurrected Jesus seated upon a throne. And there's no other answer in that moment. I say it's better to realize that now. And so that now you could open your heart and your life and get him into your life. You're never gonna get all your questions answered, but there's something in your heart that will arrive at peace and full confidence. And you can have him in your life now. Relationship with God through Jesus. Help for this life. Peace with God. And then one day, home in heaven forever. I invite you to explore, but I also invite you to believe. And I declare today that Jesus is, is who he said he is, and Jesus is forever, Lord.